The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. is going on everybody this is bgn radio episode number 148 with me as always is brandon lee gowton of bleedinggreennation.com i am jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com brandon how are you doing how are you doing buddy after this uh 2 start uh jimmy the eagles don't deserve your yo first of all so <laughs> okay gotta get the uh listeners energized yeah that's fair although i don't have any energy it's so. for them it's not for the eagles as, as yeah. we've mentioned before that's fair jimmy i want to say this podcast is brought to you by a new sponsor. Ooh. Surprise. Uh, it's called Voting. Go vote this fall. You know, get registered. You know, go to vote.org or wherever. You know, uh, I think that's important. For real, though, obviously, podcasts actually brought to you by Righteous Tell and Craft Jerky, where you can go and get 15% off by going to RighteousFelon.com. And of course, listen to the SB Nation NFL show podcast feed, where you'll find shows from Michael Kist and myself, including the Oddcast, aka off-day debrief that I do with Rob Stats Guerrera. It's a fun time. We talk about more than just the Eagles. You might be looking to listen to more than just about the Eagles these days because the Eagles are very bad. Where do we even start today? I guess we start with the news, Let's start right? with the injuries, yeah. Because there is a notable, there's two notable ones, really. Uh, the first from yesterday was the revelation that Isaac Sayamala was going to, or I guess it was Monday, Isaac Sayamala was going to be out for the quote-unquote foreseeable future. So he's going to be out for a while. They'll now be down three offensive line starters after previously losing Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard. Going to be backups all over the line. And then today, uh, we didn't ask about this in the in the Doug press conference, but we're informed later by Eagles PR that Jalen Rager suffered a UCL tear, which is your ulnar collateral ligament. Apparently, there's two different ucls one is one is in your elbow which is repaired when you get uh, tommy john surgery but then there's another one that's in your thumb so rager has the thumb variety of that i UCL actually tear. That, jimmy oh did you no yeah. kidding doing I mean, now what that i think about that I'm playing flag football <laughs> <laughs> catching a pass or throwing or what so someone was running right at me and i tried to like strip it out because they were just weren't even being secure with the ball they really, i guess there really even isn't like true fumbling yeah, like football usually it's just dead when it hits the ground. You don't want people like piling up and stuff. Sure, but I thought I could just rip it out. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. just like jack it out of his. Just out take of their it hands. from them. Yeah, yeah. Because they weren't holding onto it securely, but I guess they were 
more so than I anticipated. And like my thumb just jammed <laughs> into the football. This is like my freshman year of high school. And uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that until right now. You said it. That owner thing popped back into my head. Yeah. Mm, and yeah, okay. that I, I was saw that injury happened. Um, not that I'm an athlete or anything, but just to kind of give the time frame here, I guess, perspective because I can do this. Uh, yeah, I think I, I got hurt in like January or so. And I, I feel like I wasn't recovered to like April. So it was, it was a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Rager had a shoulder injury in training camp and he wasn't expected to return in time uh, for the start of the regular season. And then he did. He surprisingly played week one. So maybe he's a little bit of a faster healer than you are. Uh, Adam Kaplan, I believe, reported that he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Uh, Drew Brees had uh, the same injury last year. Obviously, there's different degrees uh, to to any injury, really, and the severity of them. But he was back after five weeks, and it happened in his throwing hand. So you'd imagine that, you know, for him to come back in five weeks, it's possible that Rager can come back in that sort of time frame as well, you know, especially since, A, he's healed, healed from his shoulder injury quickly. And B, he's, what, 21 years old? So he's got that uh, young guy healing ability, maybe. Uh, but that's not a good injury. I mean, no, no injury is good, obviously. But even if you're not like, even if you're kind of out on the Eagles right now and you just kind of want to see them rebuild and you don't care anymore from week to week, whether they win or lose, I don't know how many fans are there. I would say that's probably still a pretty low percentage, but there certainly are some of them out there. It's still a bad injury in the in the sense that he's a rookie and he's their first round pick, and you want to see him play as much as possible and also just get as many reps as possible in his rookie season so that he can continue to get better as a professional wide receiver. So not great news there. Yeah, I mean, you look at the recent history of players that are playing, and before even I get to that, uh, Derek Gunn I think said that Rager might actually, or at least they're they're hoping he might only miss two weeks and not the five to six weeks so mm. uh, we'll see we'll see about that one obviously the eagles haven't placed him on ir yet as of recording this podcast so that would that that's the, expected to happen uh, yes but if it didn't you know that would keep that hope alive yes um, so if he is up the three weeks they would of course miss uh he would miss obviously this week against the Bengals, which is going to happen and then the next two games after that are at san francisco uh, at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and then the fourth game, if that continues, would be at home against the Ravens. So after this Bengals game, you got three tough games. You know, Rager's going to be out this week at the very least, and it's like, who do you have contributing for you right now from these high draft picks, really from the last four years? Okay, you have Derek Barnett, who's a starting defensive end, who isn't really making any kind of a difference out there. Like, no. starter, fine, um, maybe just a guy. You have Dallas Goddard, who, with the Eagles playing... So much 12 personnel, which is pathetic, um, is basically like a starter in this offense. Uh, okay, great. He's been good, though. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to. Sure, but like. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not his fault that, <laughs> that their scheme is bad, but, but he, he's a good player and, and it's not his fault that they drafted a second tight end when they already had one of the top three tight ends in the NFL. But, you know, he is, he is like nothing against Dallas Goddard. He can play. Dillard is out, obviously. Yeah. And even if he was playing, there's concerns there. Miles Sanders will have him. I think he could actually be really key to a win this week. We'll probably get into that later. Uh, J.D. Arthiga-Whiteside will have to probably see a bigger role now, more than Mm. just a blocking wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, Rager's out. And then Hertz is playing a few snaps at most in this gimmick role. And then Davion Taylor is playing on special teams and barely even on special teams. Like he's not even playing as much. Yeah, how many special team snaps did he get? I know it was a low number. It was like eight. 
It was yeah. it was less. There was fewer than guys like Alex Singleton and Sean Bradley. Like, yeah. So that's not good. It's not good, Jimmy. And I bring all that up because I think we need to talk about the bigger picture here um, when it comes to the Eagles. I want to start off with some context. You know, you talked about people being checked out. And if you can't tell by my tone already, I'm kind of there already because I was feeling skeptical about this team heading into the year. And now when I look at where they are in the historical context of an an 0-2 start, I mean, they've won one playoff game ever after starting 0-2. So bad place to be. And they've only made the playoffs three times out of the 17 seasons they've started 0-2. So, you know... The, the one year they did win a playoff game, by the way, was, what, 2003? Yes. They started... And, and that 0-2 looked a hell of a lot different than this 0-2. So they lost to the Buccaneers. That It was the year after the Buccaneers beat them in the NFC Championship game. And then, of they course, won. They, won, they won the Super yeah. Bowl. So they, they lost to the defending Super Bowl champions. And then the following week, they lost to... The Patriots, Still, right? The, yeah, the budding, uh, cheating Patriots who happened to win the Super Bowl uh, that year. So <laughs> they lost to the defending Super Bowl champion and the eventual Super Bowl champion. Wound up going, I think, like 12-4, and four, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So they, they wound up having a pretty good season. So, yeah, that team is not the same as, as this team. So I guess we have to start with Carson Wentz because what other places did it start? Carson Wentz, Jimmy, is playing awful right now. Terrible. He is like, any kind of metric you look at. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it last week. He leads the NFL in poor throws tracked by pro football reference. Still the case after two weeks now. The accuracy is terrible. He ranks second to last in passer rating. He's PFF's lowest graded quarterback through two games, like just any kind of thing you look at with him. And obviously that matches up with the eye test too. He's just, he's terrible out there. He is, and it's not even just like, it's not just the inaccurate passage, which which I think are a huge deal. It's also the decision-making is bad too. It's just like everything is going wrong. The the mechanics look sloppy. (laughs) You asked it in your awards post after the game. Like The award you gave to Carson Wentz was like, "Uh uh-oh, is he bad now? (laughs) Right, is he just not good anymore? Yeah. I think it's a fair question. I mean, mm-hmm. we all we all see what what kind of talent he has. Like we've seen, we saw all the crazy plays that he made in 2017. That feels like a long time ago. But even in la- you know, even last year and the year before, we see him make some ridiculous throws from time to time. See what he, you know, we, we've seen what he can do with his feet. And although we haven't seen much of that uh, recently, this year it's just been it's just been really bad. It's just like you mentioned, like his accuracy stinks. I actually like. I started putting together very quick, like one or two second videos showing every throw that he made on Sunday, like not the result of the play, but just uh, where he was in the pocket and the kind of traffic that he had around him. And there was none. So like, Mm -hmm. like the offensive line did a really good job on Sunday and he had plenty of clean pockets to throw from. They got him out of the pocket a little bit. They didn't get him on the run a ton, but they did get him out of the pocket uh, with some you know wide open lanes to throw, and he's just wildly inaccurate sometimes. And of course, I'm getting some notoriety now <laughs> because I asked Doug, uh, you know, why he's missing on some of the the word I used was uh, on you know layup throws, and mm-hmm. uh, Doug <laughs> Doug didn't like the classification of uh, of those throws being layups. No throws a layup in the NFL, but come on, man, like we, we you don't have to be. The NFL isn't that complicated. Football isn't that complicated. Let's not pretend it's more it's more complicated and, you know, fans and media can't understand what they're looking at. Certainly a lot of these throws that Wentz is making that he's not connecting on 
are, by NFL standards, very easy throws. And he's just missed a lot of those, not only this year, but uh, last year as well. And uh, I, I'm with you that the accuracy is a major concern going forward. Jimmy, you've never thrown a pass in the NFL, so you wouldn't <laughs> know, you moron. That, by the way, that just just so I can know, I, I noticed I noted noted this on Twitter too. By the way, but just so I can be clear, I have no problem with the interaction that I had with with Doug today. Like I'll, I'll welcome that all day. Like I like when he sort of uh, engages in in conversation. He's been doing that a more a lot more of that lately. Like he did it with Bo. Uh, pretty. What was the? Do you remember what he what? But the back and forth with Bo was. It's about the offensive line and blitz pickup and different. Oh, things that's like right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I welcome that. That's fun. Like keep 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 doing that, Doug. Don't shy away because you got some heat because of that today. <laughs> Jimmy, I want to ask you a series of questions here. Who am I describing? Haven't won a playoff game. Have had issues with emotional intelligence. Have had control issues, kind of <laughs> overstepping their bounds in their areas of expertise and trying to wade into other things. To a detriment mm-hmm. on the positive, both helping the Eagles indirectly winning Super Bowl 52, having a major role in the Eagles moving on from Nick Foles, having one excellent year that everyone was convinced, you know, was the the norm and not the exception. Who could I be describing? <laughs> well, I already know sort of your, uh, your hot take on this, uh, but you're describing both Carson Wentz and Chip Kelly. That's right, Jimmy. Um, no, it's it's kind know. of funny. Like those are all, you know, yeah. they, they, they're all, they, they do have all those similarities, which is kind of funny. But here's the biggest one. This is like the, the sticking point. You know, obviously I said, say that in somewhat just, you know, I'm turning it on. Like, you know, obviously that's, that's turning it up. It's, it's an intentional hot take there mm-hmm. uh, meant to get people worked up in that it did. Um, so <laughs> I didn't see the me. reaction to it, uh, but it doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Well, you know, people to see the headline. They start yeah, to freak yeah, out. yeah. So, But I, the one sticking point on a serious note, though, is the control thing. I think that's a huge issue with what's going on with Carson Wentz and also why I'm not optimistic. Like, he's just going to turn it around. Basically, the case for optimism I see with Carson Wentz right now, him turning it around, is just because, like, he will. Like, that's like that's it. Like, he, it'll just happen. Like, that's the most optimistic thing I can see. But I look at it as, you know, and I had this conversation with your colleague, your Philly Voice colleague, Jimmy uh, Joe Santolokito, uh, on a podcast here on Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed last week, interview I did with him that I thought was very insightful and kind of you know touched on some of the good things where Carson Wentz has progressed as a leader, but where he could afford to grow. And I think the control thing is a huge issue because I think Carson Wentz has a lot of influence over this offense. And I think that's kind of to a detriment right now with how poor the offense is looking. And I just don't think he's really taking the coaching. I also think that's not so crazy to say because you look at the head coach who doesn't even have the authority to pick his own coaching staff. Carson Wentz didn't like Mike Groh and he wanted Mike Groh gone. And guess who's gone? Yeah, Mike Groh. So then like, you know, if the quarterback is getting his way potentially over the head coach, like what, you know, what kind of authority does the coaching staff have over the quarterback? And we've talked about Press Taylor a billion times on this show, and I think I still think that's a huge issue. I will continue to to to, to bang that drum that like Carson does not really have someone over him who's really getting on him the way he had with Frank Reich and John DeFilippo to 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 really kind of stress you know like this and there needs to be accountability with this too. Like I just and I don't see it. It just feels like we're seeing the same issues, and Carson is stubborn. And sometimes his stubbornness can lead to good things when it comes to like refusing to give up on a play and he makes an amazing play. But 
that's not what's happening right now. We talked about level of concern with Carson Wentz last week. I think I said a seven. You were like at a six and a half. I mean, I'm at, you know, like an eight right now or more. Yeah. Like, I'm really concerned. I'm really, really concerned about Carson Wentz. Yeah, you mentioned Filippo. He wasn't afraid to get, get in his ass when, when uh, you know, he was messing up. And I don't think that relationship was, like, great. I think they were fine, but I don't think that was great. Obviously, Filippo didn't get pushed out or anything. He got offers after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, of course, um, and, you know, moved and got essentially promoted to other teams. So... But yeah, I mean, I, I think that the concern here is that he's a little too buddy-buddy with uh, Press Taylor as opposed to Press Taylor sort of, you know, getting on him when he needs to get on him. I think Press Taylor's, you know, a really smart guy and um, uh, very good scheme-wise, I think. But as far as being a disciplinarian, you know, the sense that I get and just, you know, things that I hear or whatever um, is that he... he sort of fall short um, in in that area. So, yeah, I think there's something to that for sure, that there isn't sort of um, a boss figure uh, in, in you know, in the building with, with Carson Wentz like there was with uh, Filippo and to a lesser degree, Grow. I think Grow, you know, him being fired was on merit because I didn't think, you know, he, uh, you know, that, that offense was difficult to watch uh, mm-hmm. at times last year. So, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with them firing him, but certainly, well, if, it's the process. Yeah, certainly, yeah. if the if the head coach wants wants a head coach and is supposedly in charge of his staff, and that guy gets and he and he tells basically the entire media core and in turn the fan base that, uh, you know, X coach and Y coach are going to be retained, and then the next day those two coaches are gone. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's not a uh, that's not a very good thing. So I'm with you there on on the process aspect of uh you know the the way those things were handled jimmy how far off are we from seeing jalen hurts at quarterback replace carson wentz because I, I know we're a long way away from that i think but the question is is there right like that's a, oh for a sure question, yeah right? yeah yeah no there, yeah it's a question no no doubt like it's not it's not like uh uh like oh how dare you ask such a thing <laughs> you you jerk <laughs> like I mean, a lot of people are asking that question. So uh, yeah, it's it's a fair question because he's played horribly the first two weeks, and it, it's not just it's not just that he's had a, a two week um, you know slump or whatever you want to call it. It's the first two weeks, so they really stand out. You know what I mean? Like he had a bad two game stretch last year too against the Patriots and the Seahawks during the regular season. So you know we've seen that before, sort of. I think these two games are actually worse than than what those two games were. Uh, but you know, they happen to be in week one and week two. So that makes, that makes, it just makes it more visible. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, maybe they could go to Hertz. Like what's their record for that to happen? Like, I think it's like one and seven before you see anything like that happen. I think they gotta be completely cooked before they would move on. And, and not only, not only like one and seven, but he also has to continue playing, at a similar level that he's playing right now, I think before them to bench him in favor of a, a second round rookie. So I think we're a long way away from that, but it is something, I mean, this, the discussion has started on that at least is, is kind of the way I'd put it. And I think it's a fair discussion to have. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to think about, and I can just see, like, I, I can just see this. Can we all see this? If we're really being honest with ourselves, can't we all see Carson Wentz, Either and I don't hope he gets hurt. I don't. But like either him getting hurt 
or you know him getting benched or whatever, and Hertz just comes in and plays well. Like, can't we all just see that happening? Because yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, it's even if it's a different style of play, like if it just looks mm-hmm. different, that can energize a team. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Wentz has I mentioned earlier, like we've seen him make plays with his feet. There's been none of that so far this year, and there's yes. you know less of it from. 2016 to 2017 2018 2019 we've just seen less of it as, as his career has gone on and you get a guy in there like Hertz who makes some exciting plays and you know players on the field respond to that so yeah I mean if you I think the worst thing that can really happen for once right for him personally is for him to go down during a game even if it's a, even if it's like a minor injury he misses like a quarter or two and Hertz goes in there and and does a few things <laughs> that'd be like the worst possible thing but for him to like actually get benched Minus the injury, what do you think their record would have to be? I think you kind of said it around one and seven or so. I mean, once they're if if, if they get to a point where they're officially eliminated to the from the playoffs, it's like why would Wentz even be playing? Like because like what just what's the upside? Like he's gonna get what if he gets hurt? Like I, I don't know. It just seems like it's it's not worth it. And you and you spend a second round pick on Hurts, number fifty three overall. Like see what you got in him. Now, if you're theorizing here, like as I am, that Wentz has too much control with the offense too. Another thing with Hertz coming in would be to watch, like, is he just executing the offense? You know what I mean? And, and are things are things going smoother? Because that was a big angle with Foles, and I feel like I was reluctant to actually buy into that before. But you know, looking back or looking, yeah, looking back now and thinking about how much influence I think and maybe too much Carson has on the offense, and not to say a quarterback should have none, but to, at some point, I feel like. The quarterback has to trust the coaching staff and just, you know, run the offense. And I think Doug has kind of been hinting at that for a while now or suggesting that. And Carson hasn't been doing that. And if the offense is working, great. Then Carson should have all the control. He can. But if it's not working, then, well, I don't know. So, uh, but to get back to the Hurts point, yeah, I think I think you kind of nailed it. Simplifying the – like what, what they do with Foles is they, they really cut down the playbook substantially. And they've simplified it. And that's an approach that I think can work right now because you have mm-hmm. some young guys at the receiver position. You have all these injuries along your offensive line. So a simplified offense might just make sense regardless of who's in there at quarterback. So if you bring in like a guy like Hertz, of course you're going to simplify the offense at that point, And that might actually work in his favor. So we talked about the coaching staff a little bit there, Jimmy. How much blame uh, should be going to the coaching staff? I guess, versus the front office, too. Like, And then I also wrote down here, like, which is more likely to face punishment? But that's a joke of a question because I think we both agree that would be the coaching <laughs> yeah. staff. And the front office is not going to take the heat, even though I feel like the front office deserves a lot of heat when you see how this team is going and decisions that were made. But I want to get your perspective on it, too. So, Yeah, uh, let, me, let me ask you a little bit differently. Okay. Just take Doug, Howie. Carson. Yeah. In what what is the order in which they're most likely to be gone first? I mean, it's Doug first. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how, especially because that's how they've laid it out. Like everything points to like the coaching staff <laughs> being the fall. Yes. I would say when second uh-huh. and then Howie third. Howie and now, what is, what do you think it should be? I think it should be Howie first. I really do. What do we What do we need to see here? What more do we need to see from Howie Roseman? He's been here. In the building for 20 years now as a member of the organization. He's been the GM since 2010. Obviously, wasn't in charge for the chip year. But it's been 10 years of him ultimately as the general manager. And do we really need to see more? Like, do we? Do we? 
Like, obviously, he had a really good year. They won the Super Bowl. But that is so clearly the exception and not the norm. The norm is maxing out as this, like, NFC East championship team that wins one game, maybe in the playoffs or not even. I, I just, I'm, I'm so over it. I've been over it. I kind of hinted at it all offseason long. I had concerns about Howie and everything. And now I'm just kind of just done. I'm just done. His 2018 uh, free agent acquisitions were bad. His 2019 free agent acquisitions were bad. His 2020, uh, well, the trade for Slay is looking good. Hargrave, not so much. But the, that that those guys are being tra- determined. Is the trade for Slay looking good? I mean, like in a vacuum, yes. But like, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, you got a great cornerback. Guess what? Your defense is still getting torched. You spent all your free agency resources on defense. Doesn't matter. Your defense yeah. is getting destroyed. Like, it's <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. For sure. But uh, to, to finish that point. All of the drafts have been bad, <laughs> so like mm-hmm. they haven't had a good draft in years. Like they, ha- like you can name the Pro Bowlers that he's drafted on one hand, you know. So yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I, who would be number two for you after Howie, Carson or Doug? I think it's Carson because I think it's, I think it's Carson too. I mean, Carson Ron should be gone. Yes, yeah, should. Yeah, I okay. mean, like, look, I have been as pro Carson. I feel like as you can be for a long time. And I think he has been failed in a lot of ways in the past, especially given you know how he's shortcoming. So when it's come to putting a surrounding cast around him, so like this isn't with any kind of malice in my heart or like ill wishing for Carson Wentz. I want him to do well, especially because I, I was boasting it up and I want to look smart. Um, but it's just I just don't see it anymore, man. Like you said, it like I, I'm not seeing the athleticism there. The accuracy is terrible, Jimmy. It's it's come to a point with the accuracy for me where it's like Ben Simmons not shooting. It's like like you're an NBA player. Like you have to shoot the ball. Like you have to do that. It's a deal breaker if you're not. Yeah. And with Carson Wentz, it's like you're a quarterback. You have to be accurate at some level. Maybe you're not the most accurate passer in the league, but you can't be like the least accurate passer in the league. It's it's pathetic. And there's been issues here for years now. We're not seeing any kind of growth. Like look so look at some of these other players around the league who are like improving. And they might be a little younger, like a Josh Allen, but like it just feels like these guys are getting better. And Carson Wentz hasn't in a while. He's just getting worse. Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> For sure. Like if you're you're a fan of the team, it's it's a bummer. Actually, the, the throw that I thought was worse than the the JJ throw, you know, is a bad decision. You can kind of understand it a little bit. But the throw that was really alarming in that game was the one where Ertz was open near the sideline, and he just threw it like at it was least the third and five. five yards over his head. Like if yep. that were in the middle of the field and he sailed one that bad. And it just landed in the hands of a safety just sitting back there. That throw would have been getting destroyed all week. But just because it happened to be near the sideline and it harmlessly went out of bounds, it didn't seem like we haven't really talked about it much. But that throw was brutally bad. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a third and five. Oh, right. And they wound up punting after that. So it was a, it was a notable bad throw because you're right. Yeah. They, did, they did punt after that bad throw. And then they got the ball back because TJ Edwards forced the fumble there. So yes, kind of bailed right. Carson out there. Right, <laughs> but, right, right. But yeah, that happens too much, Jimmy. There's so many of those throws. There's just so many. Like it, it's a, to a point where like the offense like can't even get into a rhythm because like there's just like this inexplicable, inaccurate miss for no good reason. And it must be frustrating. Imagine, like, the players, you know, watching that. Like, how are they supposed to feel? Like, if you're a receiver, an offensive lineman, it's like, like, Carson, he's wide open. Like, you're not even being pressured. Like, make the throw. Like, just make it. Like, and he's not. I, I just, and I, and I don't know how I'm supposed to have faith that he's going to rebound. Just, like, just because he's played well in the past 
That's so long ago now, though. Like it's a, it's a really, and, and people point to the, you know, four games last year. Yeah, and I thought that meant something, but it, but it isn't right now. And when you like boil it down, Jimmy, and you look at Carson Wentz's record, uh, I believe in games since the since the Super Bowl, and if you take out the games against two of the worst teams in the league mm-hmm. in Washington and um, the Giants, he's something like seven. And 14, I believe, okay. in those 21 games. Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, they're not winning with him. Yeah. It's not good. Not you know good. who never loses? Uh, Christian Roach from Roach Realtors. <laughs> That's right. Christian Boom. Roach from Roach Realtors. Ranked number one by Football Outsiders in DVOA. So it's like Christian Roach <laughs> and then like Lamar Jackson. Yes. And then Patrick Mahomes. That's how good she is. Boom. So if you're looking to buy or sell or rent a home. Mm-hmm. Make sure you call Kristen Roach or text her. That's fine, too. 856-906-9295. Again, that's 856-906-9295. And one thing I'll note, too, like uh, Kristen Roach is my girlfriend, in case anyone didn't know that. Uh, a few a few different readers have been like, uh, listeners, rather, have been like, you, you realize you're giving your girlfriend's phone number out on, <laughs> on a podcast, right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so don't call or text her for any bad reasons but if you're looking to buy <laughs> sell or text your home please do brandon i guess we'll be back after this back here on bgn radio episode number 148 or segment second segment i've already screwed up maybe kiss will edit it out maybe he won't who knows nah, just leave that in kissed yeah just leave that in second segment nailed it i don't really know what order you want to go in here but the eagles do play a game this week against what? the Bengals. oh good okay so i have that here but i also have Worst case scenario and best case scenario for the rest of the Eagles season. So I guess maybe we should just start with the Bengals game. No, let's do the best case and worst case scenario too. Because okay. I think this game is sort of like a crossroads for this team. Mm. And by that I mean like, if you're a fan, like, do you want them to win this game? Like, if you think that like they should rebuild. Like winning this game maybe sort of um, puts that decision off for another week. But if they lose this game, like they're done. <laughs> right? Because this is an 0-2 team. It's like a, you know, bottom, what, 10 franchise in all of sports? It's got to be, right? It's like, you mm-hmm. know, the one of the bottom five for sure in the NFL. So you lose to this team with a rookie quarterback, albeit a talent one, uh, a talented one, and a horrendous defense. Like, they just couldn't stop the Browns, tack, couldn't tackle anyone. If you lose to this team, you're 0-3. And then, as we mentioned before, you got the Niners and the Steelers and the Ravens up next. There's a chance you go 0-6. And at that point, you got to be a seller at the trade deadline, you would think, anyway. As long as, like, Dallas has, like, four wins at least, five wins maybe at the trade deadline, which is, like, after eight games, and they're sitting at somewhere around, like, you know, 1-7, and something like that, you got to sell at that point, right? So I think there are some pieces that they can unload and actually get decent draft picks and at the same time um you know sort of help their their 2021 cap situation which is a little bit of a mess right now guys like zach gertz and fletcher cox if you're lucky maybe you can unload alshon jeffrey um derek barnett maybe depending on how his season goes if you don't want to pay his 10 million dollar fifth year option next year uh, missing one. Oh, Deshaun Jackson would be an obvious trade candidate. So, like, I think some people are kind of rooting for that. Again, I don't think many people are there yet. 
But, you know, that's one way it can go. They win this game, and they just stay close enough to Dallas. There's a scenario where, you know, they're trading for a guy at, a, at the trade deadline. The last two years, we saw them basically light draft picks on fire when they traded a third-round pick for Golden Tate. Uh, and then two, and then last year, they, they trade a, a fourth-round pick for Gennard Avery, who, who by the way, active. was a healthy scratch uh, week two against the Rams. And then, you know, they just stay close enough. You know, maybe they finish like 8-8 eight and eight or something. Maybe 8-8 eight and eight gets you in as the 7th seed this year, the first year of the 7th seed. Maybe oh. it doesn't. But 8-8 eight and eight maybe isn't, like, if they finish, like, strongly enough, like, decently enough, maybe they talk themselves into, you know, kind of keeping this core together for one more year, which is a total waste of time. So this, this you know, this game, you know, really can kind of, uh, in, in a way, like, it's you, you think you look at this game and you think of it like Bengals Eagles are both zero and two. Like Bob Ford just tweeted out something to the like he tweeted a you know that you know those five oh six maps mm-hmm. like the TV maps where it yeah. shows the country and uh, it's color coded and you can see like which parts of the country are going to have you know which games uh, televised like Locally, on, on, yeah. on on local TV stations and like the Bengals and Eagles game is like a little like a little dot, like there's a little <laughs> dot like around Cincinnati and there's a little dot like around Philadelphia. And there's, it's, the map is very colorful otherwise, but like bigger blotches for the other games. So like you think of this as like a nothing game. Like they have like Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta calling this game on TV. But for the Eagles, it's a kind of a big game and potentially as far as the direction of the franchise. So I think this game has a lot to do with sort of the best case scenario for this team, as you as you put on the on the uh, sheet here, and the worst case scenario of this team. Like, what do you see as the best case and worst case for this team going forward? I mean, so the obvious best case is like they just win out, you know, or you know they they finish like Carson Wentz totally just breaks out of a slump and everything we've seen, the, the defense rebounds, but that's just not realistic. So to me, then assuming like you know that's off the table, I think the worst case scenario for this team how I'll phrase it is this team ends up like nine and seven again. Like they be <laughs> right. They basically just, a scenario just laid out. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just <laughs> make the playoffs and here's why Jimmy, because <clears throat> I know internally the past couple of years, how the Eagles have finished has not been viewed as like, uh, you know, we, we barely made the playoffs and that's kind of a concern. It's kind of been like, Hey, we've won 35 games over the past few years. And we made the playoffs three years in a row. And we're doing good. Like, that's my understanding or the sense I have of how that's viewed. And I think that's alarming because if this and because if this team finishes 9-7 to seven again or 8-8 eight and eight or even like 7-9, and nine, it's like, what's really going to change? What are they really going to do? And if they don't make any changes, then how the heck is anyone supposed to feel like genuinely optimistic about the 2021 season. Like and they, they can't gonna... do anything anyway because of the cap, the aforementioned cap situation. Yeah. So like, that's the thing, like what move is to come really? Like, you know, it, it could be something, you know, hurts gets, somehow comes into the lineup and it's lightened it up. You know, like let's say they get off to a really bad start and then they get to eight and eight because like hurts looks awesome. But that's, that's a whole different conversation, but you know what I mean? If they're kind of like just limping their way into the playoffs with Carson Wentz still not looking like really any good, and maybe he has like an okay game here and there, or even like a good game here and there, scattered around more bad games though. Like I just don't know what that does. I don't know how that moves the needle for this team. And now I will not blame any Eagles fan who wants the team to win ever, because 
like I think the the diehards, and not to say those people aren't diehards too, but I mean, not so scratch that. I don't want to say diehards and, and get into that and labels like that. But I I think some fans always want the team to win no matter what, even if that's like a week seventeen game where they should really lose to improve their draft pick. But I don't fault that fan because they want they love the Eagles and they yeah. want the Eagles to win every game. Right. Like, that makes sense to me. Like I'm I'm never gonna fault anyone for that, but. For what I think is the smartest thing in the long term, not just looking at the short term. Because some <laughs> yeah. people just want to look at the short term, and, and I get that. But looking at the long term, I think the worst case scenario is they have another kind of just mediocre season. So, in a way, I think it would be good for the Eagles to really kind of just bottom out this year. And it serve as a major wake-up call for this franchise that everything is not as good as it seems. And major changes are needed because I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, you and I have, have discussed this a, new, a bunch of different times on the podcast and, and how they sort of backdoored their way into the playoffs in 2018. Uh, they need, uh, what was it, the Vikings? They needed them to lose uh, mm-hmm. Week 17 to get in. Kirk Cousins chokes. The Eagles get in. Wind up winning a playoff game, which was fun. You know, and that's... Barely. Yeah. Uh, they get the double doink from, from Cody Parkey, of course. Uh, you know, things are going well in the Saints game. They wind up losing. Anyway, um, 2019... You know, they, they only win the division because the division's horrid. They, mm-hmm. they finished nine and seven. Uh, the Cowboys are their closest competition. They wind up going eight and eight on the season. And uh, yeah, you, you look at 2020 and it's it's going badly so far. If they do somehow pull it together and they go eight and eight <laughs> or nine and seven or whatever, and they make the playoffs again and they're one and done, you look at 2021 and it's, it's just the same team, mm-hmm. same already old team. It's just a year older. It, so, but, Jimmy, they would have a new draft class coming in, and that, they would definitely nail those picks <laughs> and get right, it right. Right. You can have the confidence in that. I guess we should get to this week, more specifically the game itself, Jimmy. And uh, I actually think the Eagles can win this week. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. We'll get to our picks well, later, but I think they can, they can win, Yeah, which is a pathetic statement. They're six-point favorites, you know? They're playing, the, they're playing the Bengals. Yeah. But... Yeah, so it's sad that I'm saying that. Like, oh, they have a chance. <laughs> they have a chance um, to beat the bank, the worst, you know, bottom three franchise in the NFL. I think I look at two key things in this game. Mm-hmm. My two keys to the game brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com right now and use code discount code BGN15. The one thing is Miles Sanders. Yes. Because that Bengals run defense is bad. It was bad in week one when they faced the Chargers, and it was bad again when they faced the Browns on Thursday Night Football. So with Carson Wentz struggling, this could be a game where it's just like, like give the ball to Miles Sanders on like almost every play, like 30 carries a game if you really want to win this 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 game, or, or 30 touches, if you will. Uh, get him involved in the passing game as well. So I think that's possible. And then also, uh, Bengals offensive line, not good. It was the 31st ranked unit by Pro Football Focus heading into the year. Mm-hmm. You look at the names on that offensive line, I'm like, how is Bobby Hart still starting at right tackle for them? I know some Bengals fans who are like, who feel the same way. And it's just like, Giants just fans hated him when he was there. I know that. Yes. And now Bengals fans hate him. So <laughs> uh, with this Eagles defensive line being ineffective as it is, which is another indictment of the front office, by the way, investing like three of these top 20 interior defensive line contracts. And those guys have like not produced. And now Fletcher Cox, by the way, might not even play this week. Uh, he's day to day. Apparently Derek Gunn said he might not be able to play. He's in pain. Fletcher Cox, the same Fletcher Cox who was three and a half sacks and only 11 quarterback hits in his last 21 games. Highest cap hit on the team at 22.8 million. So that's a cool fact. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, if the, if the defense, the defensive line can kind of awaken here against this bad Bengals offensive line, 
And if the Eagles, who, you know, I thought the offensive line, their offensive line, you know, Eagles offensive line played well in week two. And if they can kind of road grade for Miles Sanders, then yeah, this team has a chance to win. What about you? So just a quick Bobby, Bobby Hart note. If I recall correctly, he's the guy in 2017 um, when the Eagles played uh, at the Meadowlands. Uh, this their Super Bowl Super Bowl year, of course. Week fifteen it was a close game. Giants had a chance to win it at the end or tie it. I don't remember exactly. I think it was win it actually, and they were deep in uh, Eagles territory. But Eagles fans had basically taken over that stadium, and they were loud uh, when the Giants were down in the red zone, and uh, he jumped off sides or he he had a false start. Uh, because of the Eagles crowd noise <laughs> at, in their own stadium. I think that was him anyway. Uh, so that's my Bobby Hart recollection. And the next, you know, they're back five yards. And then that was the play where I think Corey Graham uh, broke up a pass intended for, I want to say it was Evan Engram. Uh Anyway, but I always just remember that about him. But yeah, I'm with you on the Miles Sanders point. They were last, Bengals were last in the league in rushing last year. They gave up almost 150 rushing yards per game. And the first two games, they, they've given up 370 rushing yards, which is uh, 185 per game, of course. Um, my big matchup carry. that I was pretty proud of myself uh, of this, when I wrote it this morning was uh, Darius Phillips, uh, their cornerback their uh, opposite uh, William Jackson. William Jackson was a, a first-round pick of theirs a few years back. Uh, very athletic, bigger corner. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, Phillips was a guy they drafted, uh, I think it was 2018, out of Western Michigan. So he had like a ton of picks in college, a lot of pass breakups. He had five pick sixes. He had like a bunch of forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. He had like six touchdowns overall. So he's like a playmaking guy, but he's slow. So he runs a 4-5-4, and he's only 5-10. So those measurables are bad. And, you know, I found a couple instances where he got beaten deep uh, last year in Browns games. So he only played like 100 like a little bit over a hundred snaps. I want to say it was like 109 snaps uh, last year. He had four picks. <laughs> like he had four interceptions on only a hundred snaps. So he's kind of an interesting player, but he's slow. So you can like beat him uh, over the top. And now the jail, I didn't know that Jalen Rager wasn't playing at that point uh, this morning, but I thought, oh, that's a nice matchup that the Eagles can exploit maybe with uh, Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager. But now Rager's out. So that's, that's maybe a, uh, a, uh, uh, you know, a matchup that's out the window now. So all the work that I put into, you know, researching this guy is pretty much out the window. But uh, Damo had a good question for uh, Avante Maddox. And Avante Maddox's uh, press conference today, um, or made it, I don't know if it was so much a great question, but he you know, brought up the point that, you know, he's going to be facing some kind of bigger receiver uh, on Sunday because A.J. Green is 6'4". Uh, Tyler Boyd is 6'2". And Maddox, of course, a big concern of everyone's heading into the season is that he's a smaller corner playing on the outside at 5'9". So Maddox acknowledged, yeah, they're probably going to test me with jump balls down the field. So I'm interested to see how that goes. So it sounds like this Phillips guy is basically a shorter Rizzo Douglas. Yeah, basically what he is. Yeah, And slow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's really all I had on the Bengals is that, you know, I think this is winnable. Although it's not a gimme. Like Joe Burrow is good. <laughs> he he's he's good. They believe um, in him. Th- those you can see you can see when they play, they believe in him. Yeah, like they were they were frisky on offense anyway. Uh, in that I, the Browns game I watched, and then I saw bits of pieces in researching them a little bit. Uh, again, I didn't watch the whole Bengals Chargers game, but I saw a little bit of it. But I watched the whole Browns Bengals game, obviously because the Eagles are going to play both of them this year. 
and their defense was horrid. But uh, yeah, offensively, you can see, I mean, you can just kind of tell when it, when a team kind of believes in the quarterback just by their actions from, you know, from play to play and, and, you know, in between plays. And uh, I think they buy into him and uh, their offense actually isn't bad at all. Also have a slight rest advantage here, you know, having played on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, so a little thing in their favor as well. Anything else in them? Nah, not really. I'm I'm interested to see. Like I, I I like what I've seen from Joe Burrow so far. You know, he doesn't even like wear a wristband. So mm. like, like he's got the it's which is you know I don't call it remarkable, but it's noteworthy that he doesn't have that despite the shortened off season. And he doesn't look like like I'm sure you've seen enough. Of, like, did you watch the Browns game on Thursday? Yeah. Like, does he look like a rookie to you? No. And I, I didn't think he was going to. Like, that was my expectation. I mean, he was so freaking good at LSU. Like, <laughs> yes. like, why wouldn't you expect him to come into the NFL and be, like, you know, not perfect, but, like, at least kind of good right away? Yeah. So, I, I liked what I've seen of him so far. Like, they almost won that week one game. Um, he, yeah. Like, he, he drove him down, like, a 14-play drive. And he actually hit uh, A.J. Green in the end zone for what was a touchdown, but it got called back because of uh, offensive pass interference. And then it would have gone to overtime, except their kicker missed a 31-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of help from from the guys around him. And then, you know, against the Browns, they lose by five. Like, that game wasn't as close as it looked. He actually had, like, I picked the Bengals from, you know, as a to cover the spread in my week two picks. I was thrilled with him because he got, he had a heroic backdoor garbage cover. That didn't cost me a loss and put you know put one in the win column for me. So, thanks, Joey D. Do you know what one of the most underrated concerns about the Eagles is right now, Jimmy? What's that? It's that they're not eating enough righteous felon crap <laughs> jerky. It's which, probably it. Well, they're the meat snacks that fuel the Philadelphia Eagles. So, it's clear that they're not having enough because they don't have enough fuel right now. So, don't be like the Eagles in that sense. Make sure you are fueled up and get righteous felon jerky. Uh, and snack sticks that the Eagles usually have uh, were at you know at the Novacare Complex, and you know if it's good enough for them, which it should be, and they're not having enough, and it is, it's obviously got to be good enough for you too. Of course, Righteous Felon is local because they're based in Westchester, PA, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they're committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding, and they have all those fun flavors, which is what they mean by creative branding, like. Victorious B.I.G., which is Jimmy's favorite. So I always say Baby Blues Barbecue, the OG Hickory. You really can't go wrong here. I would say try them all, and that's a good idea. And by trying them all, or you're wondering, like, how do I do that? Well, you go to rightsalon.com and you use the discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order. There's no limit in how many times you can use that BGN15 discount code. So go like make like your favorite team. And load up on the same meat snacks that the Eagles should be eating more of. Jimmy? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio episode 148 for our final segment of the week. It's time for our NFL picks against the spread. So far, Jimmy, we are both three and four. I'm trying to keep track of it this year because I lost track last year. Both three and four against the spread so far. I beat you last Terrible. week. You beat me week one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you went one and three, so not great. Um, but we're back here for another week, and we're going to start off with the San Francisco 49ers, who seems like they're going to be led by Nick Mullins this week, mm-hmm. and they're just decimated by injuries. And obviously, the Eagles play them next week, so that's relevant. But they're four-point favorites at the same stadium they played at last week. 
at MetLife against the New York Giants. That stadium is in their heads, by the way. Like they're blaming mm. the turf on uh, yes. some of their injuries. I hate this line. I hate it. Mm. Like this is a really hard one to pick because the Giants are such ass. <laughs> like like <laughs> I just don't want to take them in any way. But the Niners are just extremely banged up, including their quarterback. They lose Nick Bosa for the year. Looks like Kittle might come back the last I checked, but it's been like a day or two since I looked at that. Debo Samuel, I believe, is still on IR, right? So, or he is on IR. So if he's on IR, he's definitely out because it's only week three. Uh, but yeah, they, they got a lot of guys that, that are out. But I, I just can't, I just can't take the Giants. So give me the Niners minus four. They're, they have a good enough roster where, where they'll overcome. Raheem Mostert's out too. Tevin Coleman might be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Solomon Thomas, one of their defensive ends for the year. Uh, oh, uh, Richard Sherman's out. Who mm-hmm. am I missing? The quarterback. Right. Well, Jimmy, we covered already. Jimmy, I'm going to ring the bell. Speaking yeah. of Jimmy's. All right. So um, minus, I'll take, give me Niners minus four. Sorry. You're oh, up. Okay. Um, well, I took the Giants last week and I won because they did cover. I said Mitchell Trubisky was not going to be good enough. For the Giants well, they, to, they won. <laughs> what? The, the, the Bears won. I mean, yeah, yeah. The Bears won. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's good enough to beat him. Yeah, but I took the Giants to. Yeah, but he wasn't good enough to like keep that game like way out of reach. I, I can't wait Giants... to hammer. Who, who are they playing again this year or this week? The Bears. Oh, like, I don't they, know. They play like an like a, a, an actual real NFL team this week. Like not a great Actually. team. I forget who it is, but I can't wait. I can't wait to bet against them this week, no matter who they're yeah. playing, because they're they're now two and zero, but they played like garbage the first two weeks well it's the falcons they look better yeah okay i'll take i don't care how choky the falcons are they will beat the bears Mm -hmm. so i'm all over the falcons in that one so that's a bonus pick for you um yes yeah i'm gonna take the giants with the points just because not because i think the giants are great or anything but uh 49ers so banged up and i kind of wanted to go opposite at whatever you picked if you picked to the giants with the points i would take the 49ers (laughs) it's going to go opposite of you in this game for the fun of it Bengals, well, no, no, no. I have this ordered. Sorry, I did this order of what I saw. I'm not obviously not going to make the Eagles pick now. That would be that would spoil all the fun. Um, football team who lost last week. This is a tough Cardinals, line, too. They're at the Browns, and the Browns are seven-point favorites. Yeah, this is a tough line, too. I believe that the football team is every bit as bad as we thought they were going to be this year. They got a really good matchup week one against a decimated Eagles offensive line. Uh, they're very deep and very talented defensive line took advantage of that. And then some, um, they got the help of a very bad Carson Wentz. Um, but yes, they are a bad team, a very bad team. Otherwise that's all they have is just that defensive line. I think the Browns offensive line is fine. They did a really good job, uh, in the run game against the Bengals. Again, we know that the Bengals couldn't tackle and are a very bad defense, but still give them credit for running it down their throats all night. Uh, I do like the Browns in this game, certainly to win, but uh, I will also begrudgingly lay the seven on this because the Browns are just a vastly uh, superior team, talent-wise. They haven't been able, Browns haven't been able to put it together, um, you know, since you know they've been getting since I guess last year was was it last year that they started to get like the preseason hype. And then mm, it's been like years now, sucked. years and years. Okay. But yeah, this year, you know, I don't think they're going to be anything special or anything, but uh, they are a much more talented team than, than this Washington football team. So I'll leave this. I, I think seven is too much. I'm going to take football team to cover again. Okay. I'm, I'm picking these teams not to win outright, to be clear. I think the giants will lose. I think the, the football team will lose, but I just think that's too much. I don't trust the Browns that much. I have to see more from them until I believe that. So keeping it simple and just taking the points there. 
Uh, Cowboys at Seahawks. Why don't you do that one first? What's that? Why don't you do that one first? I think you're just Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, whenever I think of Cowboys versus Seahawks, I think of that stupid 2014 game (laughs) where the Seahawks should have won that game. Was it the the Terrence Williams great catch on the sideline game? Probably. And the Cowboys had like this unsustainably awesome first down percentage that year. It was like they were converting at like just a crazy clip. Yeah. It was like so like not sustainable at all. But they did have a legit, you know, it's a classic Tony Romo game. Yes. And and Murray was obviously a beast behind that offensive line, which was good at the time. Mm -hmm. And and so I always think of that game. Now, obviously, a lot has changed since then. It's 2000. It's 2020 now. Man, I am not going to bet against Russell Wilson right now. He's my favorite player in the NFL. Uh, He's awesome. The the Seahawks are finally like maximizing him, as we've talked about. Mm -hmm. It's been an issue with them. Like they're letting him cook, so to speak. Yeah. Now I am kind of worried of the Cowboys here because I feel I'm like I'm afraid last week's win kind of could like be a spark for that team. Like they shouldn't have won that game and they stole it. And I feel like that could kind of um, you I can know, see kind that of be like their Jake Elliott 61 yard field goal. You yep. know what I mean? Like this miraculous kind of like it's it, like the team comes alive with that kind of win. So like I, I'm not feeling 100 percent confident in this pick. And that Seahawks defense, by the way, has real issues. For as much as the you know Russ is awesome. Like that defense can be had. So I don't feel amazing about this pick, but I feel good enough to take the Seahawks minus five. I will take the Cowboys and the points here. Oh, I'm with you. I think the Seahawks will win this game. I like that five spread. So, uh, yeah, give me the Cowboys in this game. Cowboys seem to have the Seahawks number. Yeah. I have to look at the recent history of those games, but I feel like whenever these two teams match up, uh, A, the Cowboys seem to really get up for this team. They really yep. seem to care about beating this this team, but uh, B and they they they're usually successful. I do recall one Seahawks game, Seahawks Cowboys game, where the Seahawks I I went to Xfinity uh, after I was done writing after an Eagles game, and I watched like the last quarter of the Cowboys Seahawks game that the Seahawks won, and uh, the Eagles had I believe had won their game earlier that day, so there's a decent number of people there, and they were. Very fired up about the uh, Seahawks beating the Cowboys, paired with an Eagles win. Anyway, I'm getting way off track here. Give me the Cowboys, plus five. That gives me the uh, the loss by three possibility, the loss by four possibility. And I like those possibilities. So, uh, yes, I will take the Cowboys and the points. That is how math works to me. You know, four and three, <laughs> fewer than five. Well, they're, they're common uh, uh, NFL game uh, deficits, margins of victory. Eagles are, for some reason, irresponsibly, under, un, ununderstandably, you know, all real words, are six-point favorites. They were 6.5 <laughs> when I checked before, but yeah. down to six now. Six-point Eagles, six-point favorites at home against the Bengals. Jimmy, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm taking those points all day. Yeah, I'll take the six. Of course I will. I do think the Eagles will win. And it'll be a very unsatisfying win. Like, it'll be a sloppy, garbage game that uh, leaves everyone sort of, you know, not feeling any better about the team. But they win. They don't cover the spread. And uh, there are a new host of issues and maybe an extra injury or two. Uh, but, yeah, give me the give me the Browns. And, or, sorry, give me the Bengals plus the six. And give me a score prediction here, too. Yeah, all right. Let's go uh, Eagles 23, Bengals 21. All right. So the Eagles should not be favored by this much to me because the <laughs> Eagles are arguably the worst team in football. Well, they're last they, in DVOA. They rank dead last in DVOA. They have the second worst. They're tied with the New York Jets 
for the second worst point differential in the league. The only team that's worse is the Houston Texans. And in fairness to the Texans, they've had to play both the Chiefs and the Ravens. (laughs) Right. So, like, yeah, that's kind of a little understandable that they would be down there. The Eagles stink, man. Like, worse than the NFC, like uh, not tied with anyone, just worse than the NFC is what we'll say. Point differential for the Eagles. Yes, true. Um, and there, it's like, why should I feel good about this team? Like I was on WIP last night at midnight. Clearly a big flex. Uh, midnight with uh, <laughs> is it Jody Mac. Jody Mac. I like Jody Mac. Jody always has me on. I'm always very appreciative. Um, anyway, he kind of asked me a really good question that made me think. He was like, "Who's going to be the guy in this team that kind of rallies the team?" And he kind of mentioned some names and like. I don't know because not only do I think the Eagles like not kind of have that guy, it's kind of hard to like think who would that be and like justifiably so. Like, how could it be Carson Wentz right now? Because he's playing like crap. So yeah. he's really going to like rally this team and be like, hey guys, we need to pick it up. Yeah, starting with you, Carson. Is it going to be Jason Peters who didn't want to help the team out until he got more money? Like, that's really going to be the guy who gets everyone motivated? Is it going <laughs> right. to be Zach Ertz who had the burn the ship speech last year when they played the Cowboys in week 16? The same guy who's like openly feuding with the GM in front of other players about wanting more money. Like right. it goes back to what you said before about this team having bad juju, and I can't get over that. And I can't get over Carson Wentz struggling. Jimmy, I think I did this with the Patriots game last year. So it's not the first time I've done this. And maybe I'm just a little uh I'm thinking of the last time a while ago the Bengals and the Eagles played and this happened. But I'm gonna say maybe possibly the most disappointing and just like WTF result, a tie. I'm going to say the Bengals and Eagles <laughs> tie because that would be so stupid. Yeah. And it's going to be like 17 to 17. They're going to tie this game. And then you won't, people won't even know how to feel. Because it's like, how do you feel about that? Like, what do you even do with that? Like, are you mad? Are you like, what do you do? I like, think there'll be plenty feel? of mad people if a tie happens. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. But, I mean, it's just also like, well, it could have been worse, though. Like, so for as stupid as things are, as stupid as this season as this year is as 2020 of the year is and really it's just so fitting that the sequel season is going this way given how the year is uh yeah i'm gonna take the bengals with the points and it's high game obviously not a very common opponent but they've had some really ugly matchups with that team in the past mm-hmm. the last time they played them was 2016 and it was probably the worst game of that season not probably it was the worst game of that season you have jack uh, zach Ertz jumping out of the way of vontae's perfect uh, Rodney McLeod got some heat for, uh, I forget exactly what happened, but he kind of pulled up, uh, it was on the goal he didn't line. hit a guy on the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they got blown out like that game, the, the final score didn't, I mean, the final score was bad. I don't remember what it was, but I know they were down 29 to nothing in the third quarter of that game. So that game was horrible. There was the Donovan McNabb didn't know games could end in a tie game from <laughs> back in the day. And then the one that I remember, from 2012, the year that uh, Andy Reid got fired, I remember Mike Mayock was doing this game. Like he was in the booth for this game, and uh, the one thing that stood out about that game was there there, there was they were punting. The Eagles were uh, on one at one point, and I think they only had like nine guys on the field, and the play <laughs> clock was running down, and like Clay Harbor and another guy like ran onto the field like super late, and as they were running onto the field. Like the the Eagles fans recognize like just how horribly run like they that's that that year their special teams were like the worst in the NFL. Was it that Rory Seagrest? Uh, no, it was Bobby April. Oh, that's right, forgot. Yeah, Bobby April, of course. So uh, Clay Harbor and somebody else ran onto the field late, and as they were running onto the field, 
the fans just started booing the shit out of them. Like they just, <laughs> just as they were running onto the field, because they just looked so disorganized. And then on the punt, like the punt got blocked. So like, <laughs> yeah, like Mike Mayock in the booth, I remember pretty vividly him saying like, oh, now you got guys running off. Because like whatever had happened during that season, during that series was bad that led to the punt. So now Mayock is like, and now you got guys running onto the field late. And then, oh, and now it's blocked. <laughs> Like that was one of the really, really bad games of that final uh, season under Andy Reid too. So they've had some really ugly uh, games, that, you know, happen between these two teams. And I look forward to Sunday to see, uh, you know, what new fun is in store for us. So any final thoughts to me? Uh, yeah, I'll harken back to the beginning of the podcast on our newest sponsor. Go vote. Yeah. But especially for the right person, not the horrible guy. That's all I got. Go vote. And a couple other things. I, I want to clear up again, going back to the tanking, or we didn't even officially term it as tanking, but that kind of conversation about what's being best for the Eagles and losing. I want to be clear here. And there's a lot of negativity in the podcast. And obviously, it's kind of tough. The team's losing. That's just kind of what it's going to be. Hey, we got to tell it how it is. I want, yeah, we got to tell it how it is. And I also, I want the best for the Eagles. Like, you have to understand that. People listening to this. Like, so if I'm hard on them, it's not because I want to see them fail. It's because, and I want what's best for you as Eagles fans. And sometimes <laughs> right. it takes like a short-term bad thing or loss to happen for that big picture, better thing to happen. So I just want to kind of frame that in that sense, like not rooting for them to fail because I want to see them lose in the, in the long term. Like I'm, I would hope they might take a step back now so they could have success in the future. That's just wanted to frame that in case anyone, you know, was like, oh, you're being too negative or whatever, or enjoying this too much because I'm not. Well, selfishly, we want them to do well because we have, you know, readers and listeners don't check out. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, we benefit from the team being good. Uh, yeah. So just wanted to add that. Obviously, vote again for the third time or fourth time, whatever. So that, and also go check out the SB Nation NFL show. I think we're doing some really good shows over there. Again, not just me, uh, although that's obviously the most important podcast on Tuesdays, the Oddcast. Uh, I think there's just a lot of fun, different kind of angles. We have five different shows, each one each day of the week. So go subscribe to that. Leave a rating and review too. It's a new feed and we could use your support on that. And obviously go check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. That'll do it for this week's episode, BGN Radio, BGN Radio 148. We will be back no matter what happens next week, win or lose or tie. And until next time, goodbye, everybody. P G N.